1: in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do.
0: It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director
1: of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game,
4: this is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host.
1: Some things are worth fighting for.
4: Republicans should say, we will oppose any government funding bill that in any way perpetuates the ongoing border crisis. The only fallback we will accept is a funding bill that expires in the new Congress, in February so a new majority can shut down the border crisis and we will then pass this off to the American people. If you want us to secure the border, if you want us to end the misery, anguish, heartache and human suffering playing out on our southern border, then elect a massive Republican majority. Give us Arizona, give us Georgia, give us Nevada, give us New Hampshire, give us Washington State, Ohio and everywhere else and we will come in in February and we will pass Mm. a funding bill that shuts this nightmare down down.
1: Oh, how I miss Stephen Miller. He was uh, one of the lead uh, advisors to President Trump. I've known Stephen for a long time, and he is responsible. He worked for um, uh, Senator Sessions, and Stephen was the point person on immigration always. Uh, he's just brilliant, and he's got fire in his belly because he understands what's happening. And I think uh, the reason I wanted you to hear that is because that's a contrast with what we heard just a few days ago, and that's the Kevin McCarthy, at least Stephonic uh, unveiling of the so-called commitment to America. Look, let me be balanced here if possible. You know I don't like Kevin McCarthy. I don't have respect for him. I think he's a terrible leader. He should not be speaker. All that being said, well, I'm happy that they said that one of the first things they would do would be to uh, do away with the 87,000 IRS agents. They said in their first bill, Elise Stefanik and Kevin McCarthy, that's good. If they will do it, if they will do it, that's the question. And they have disappointed us time and time, kind of like Joe Manchin, not trustworthy. You think he's a good guy, just good old Joe, and then he stabs you in the back and does things as, as far left as any radical on the Capitol Hill. But this uh, is—Kevin McCarthy doesn't do that. He just um, doesn't really care that much about the issues. He doesn't stick with things. He doesn't fight. Uh, But most of them, you know, they get money. They make money, and they make deals, and they hold power, and that's what it's about for them. It's amazing how few of them really understand or refuse to embrace the notion that this is a fight for the survival of our country. But on the commitment to America, let me just uh, share a few things, a few words of other people. This is— Jed Babin wrote an article in the American Spectator about the commitment to America. And I think he has some really good points. He says, uh, Newt Gingrich was the first real MAGA candidate. His conservatism in 1994 was brilliant, hard-nosed, and pitched to the average American. He was a fireball across the sky. But the inevitable and unfortunate comparison, the next would-be speaker, currently Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, is a smoldering campfire. The impact of McCarthy's commitment to America is a fair measure of its effectiveness. It crashed on takeoff. The mainstream media ignored it, as did the conservative media, and deservedly so. The commitment makes three promises. Number one, to restore our way of life, to rebuild our economy, and to renew the American dream. And that's great. Those are nice, broad, bright-colored goals, right? But no detail, no specifics, no promises, nothing like that, just... If you vote for us, we will restore our way of life, we will rebuild our economy and renew the American dream because, as McConnell in leading in the Senate, they don't want to be specific they don't they have they they just shrink back from anything specific they're so afraid that someone's going to blame them for something, and it will cost them leadership or election, and so they do nothing, so they're leading with this vapid it's like it reminds me of all the sports teams that have had to change their names. I think of Wheaton College used to be the Crusaders, and now they're the Wheaton Thunder. Wow, that's exciting. I mean, it, it is kind of like that. It's like the fire. We just take the fire, the passion out of everything, and I think that evidently this commitment to America has done that for a lot of people. I um, I would also add that uh, George Rasley, who's a good friend of mine, he wrote an article for, uh. yeah. Yes. Oh, Conservative hit, uh, HQ, and he said um, he basically says he tried to get log on to find the commitment to America, and it's you have to have a password to get into it. So it's it's not even public. The whole thing is not public unless this has changed since George wrote this. Um, and so um, George's take on this is that McCarthy has offered up the usual grifting DC consultant, lobbyist-approved pablum. That results in perennial Republican defeats. But he also goes on to say this could change. McCarthy could change if he would just listen to the people. The people are not confused about what they're concerned about. The people are not confused when we poll them. They're concerned about prices and gas prices and their children and their schools. Uh, They're they're concerned about health care. They're concerned about all kinds of things. Uh, It's not hard to find issues upon which which Republicans could run. But it is left, really— uh, to the individual uh, candidates, uh, to to paint with both col- colors. And I have to say, if there's a candidate in your area that is, you know, speaking like this in really broad terms, you can bet they have DC consultants. You can just bet. I've been working with one candidate, and I'm not going to say who. Right? I'm just going to say it's someone running for Senate. I've been trying to book this person. I've there's probably a 21 email exchange trying to book him, and um, it would make me think, methinks that. Um, the people working for this candidate don't really care if he wins or not. Uh, they they are sort of exported from D.C. They're assigned, uh, and they have their way of doing things. And Herschel Walker probably, if they come from D.C., Herschel Walker does not represent what they what they want. He's too conservative. So uh, it, I told you it's Herschel Walker. So I'm frustrated because we we'd like to help him, but um, anyway. All right, so there's a lot of news and a lot of things you have heard and a lot of things that you have not heard. This next story you probably have heard. I'll let Brian Kilmeade uh, and Greg Jarrett tell a little bit of it, and then I'll fill in the blanks. This is clip 12.
2: You got Mark Hauk, Hauk who was or taken into custody by agents at his home on Friday on uh, charges stemming from an incident last October outside an abortion clinic. His wife saying, quote, the kids were all just screaming, It was all just very scary and traumatic. They had big, huge rifles pointed at Mark and pointed at me and kind of pointed throughout the house. The FBI telling a much different story, claiming the SWAT team was not present. Joining us right now, Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett. What do you think?
4: Well, I think that these are thuggish tactics over a minor offense. You know, whether they used a SWAT team and guns drawn, this level of force is wholly out of proportion to what is essentially a petty offense. Uh, For what? Because a religious leader who offers pro life advice outside a uh, planned parenthood clinic allegedly got into a verbal dispute that escalated supposedly into a shoving match what disturbs me is that this happened brian a year ago and the alleged victim filed a civil lawsuit for money damages that was so weak it was actually dismissed uh, by the district court judge and, and, and yet you've got Merrick Garland, the attorney general and Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI that resurrects this case on a minor offense and uses the full force of the federal government and the FBI to descend on this guy's home to arrest him in front of his seven children. He has no record. He's not a right. violent I- individual. Uh, you know, pick up the phone, call his lawyer and say, have your client turn himself in. So, you know, this is a disturbing incident by the FBI. Yeah.
1: Yes, and we're going to talk about that more in just a second, but let me fill in the blanks on this a little bit. Yeah, so they had like 20 to 25 agents show up at the home, knock on the door early in the morning, seven children uh, crying as they, you know, they're pointing guns at Mark and his wife uh, as they open the door. And actually, before he opened the door, he asked them, he said, I'm, I'm right here, I'll open it up, please, my, my kids are upset, can you just give me a second? But no. Nope, nope, no respect whatsoever. And this um, this issue about what you, some of you may not know this, but I, I have alluded to this. Like back in the 80s, especially I think of the 80s and the 90s, uh, being pro-life was, uh, it was like being a Trump supporter now, okay? It was like being um, a deplorable. It was really bad to be pro-life. You were stupid. You were one of those flag-waving Bible thumping conservatives, and we got it full force. Trust me. In the media, we were so hated, and Republicans were were pro-choice. Gerald Ford, his wife—I mean, they—they made great gains. Bob Dole was not pro-choice, but he supported the bill that this that uh, provided the um, restrictions on protesting at abortion clinics. They put a, a. a feet limit, you could not be, uh, I forgot what the, the the area was, but they put a perimeter around the, uh, the abortion facility, and you could not go over that line in your demonstration, your praying, whatever you were doing, uh, and they, they were able to prosecute a lot of people by using that FACE, it was called FACE, F-A-C-E, so that's what Mark was prosecuted under. So, but this is the story according to his wife. On several occasions when Mark went to the sidewalk council last year, he took his eldest son, who was 12 at the time. For weeks and weeks, a pro-abortion protester would speak to the boy saying crude, inappropriate, and disgusting things, such as your dad's a blank and other statements that are too vulgar to repeat. Mark would tell this pro-abortion man he did not have permission to speak to his son and please refrain from doing so, and he kept doing it and kind of came into the, the, their son's personal space obscenely ridiculing his father. Then Mark shoved him away from his child, and the guy fell back. He didn't have any injuries or anything, but he tried to sue Mark. And then, as Greg Jarrett said, they threw the case out. But now the FBI, the Justice Department, has gone back in the records, and they're resurrecting this case. That's what they did this. That's, That's what the SWAT team came to his house and arrested him for. What, what she just described, it's, it was thrown out of court because it didn't have any merit, but you can bet they'll find some merit. So um, I didn't know this part. This is from LifeSite News. Uh, in March, the FBI rounded up 10 pro-life activists, including Joan Andrews Bell, with SWAT team raids that served to intimidate and humiliate the accused through an exercise of excessive force. A surface video of one of these raids shows armed agents holding pro-lifers at gunpoint and ordering them to put up their hands, drop to their knees, and scoot backward out their front doors in the middle of the night. The pro-lifers are respectful and compliant throughout. I'm, um, I, 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 this stuff just, I feel like a knife in my heart. How can this be happening? And then, um, just, this is, uh, I got this yesterday, the 25th of September, from the blaze. An 84-year-old volunteer for a pro-life group in Michigan was shot following a heated exchange while she was canvassing door-to-door. Now, uh, Michigan, I don't know much about this yet, uh, but there's a a big vote coming up on Proposal 3. Uh, And according to pro-lifers, a yes vote would write a broad new right to reproductive freedom in Michigan, in the Constitution, invalidating a 1931 abortion ban and potentially other existing regulations. And so, Uh, This one woman was trying to get the person at the door that she knocked on giving information, explaining it to vote no. She's a volunteer for Right to Life Michigan. She's nonpartisan. No, the organization's nonpartisan. She was shot in the back while leaving the residence, and she wasn't shot by the person she was arguing with. It was by someone else. This 84-year-old woman was shot in the back by by a resident, and so— but what's happening in Michigan, as I understand it, is uh, Gretchen Whitmer is flooding the airwaves w- with lies about abortion. You know how they're distorting it, that you know, pro-lifers want w- mothers in prison, uh, they want doctors in prison, or they'll fill in the blank, or they wouldn't let let you have an abortion for any reason, even for the life of the mother. They just go on and on with their distortions and lies. And so um, she's been doing that plenty, and other some people are saying that's contributed to this. Well, there. Also, I'll just tell you that a couple of men who were volunteers for Greg Abbott uh, were chased by a and attacked by someone uh, in a in a neighborhood and in North Dakota. Oh, you probably heard about this one, North Dakota. I'm gonna come back with this one. If you haven't heard it, I want to take a little bit of time to tell the story. So uh, we're uh, this is a problem, ladies and gentlemen. We are under attack in a very real way, and I guess you have a choice. You can run and hide, or you can understand that if we don't all stand up now, this will be our future, each and every one of us. You cannot avoid this. The left, the wicked left, the evil uh, will not let you be. They just will not let you be. So you have to fight now or later. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talks.
5: a track to mitigate the credit card debt.
3: Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands.
5: Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps.
3: Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813.
1: This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today we pray for Serena Hoy, Assistant Secretary for International Affairs in the Office of Strategy, Policy and Plans. Psalm 3311 reminds us that our plans should align with the plans of God. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Serena Hoy in her work at the International Affairs Office of Strategy, Policy, and Plans. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pause
5: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. President Biden doubled down on his disgust for conservatives, telling a crowd of Democrats that all MAGA Republicans are a threat to the country, said we are extremists. The same language used a few days ago when a North Dakota man mowed down Republican teenager Kaler Ellingson, accused the boy of being a Republican extremist. However, the North Dakota Highway Patrol says there is no evidence to back up that accusation. Since 2016, the Democrats and the media have waged an ugly smear campaign against Republicans, using their platform to accuse us of being deplorable and bitter white supremacists, drugs of society, Christian nationalists, and most recently by the President of the United States, calling Trump supporters fascist. And we know for a fact the alleged killer of Kaylor Ellingson used their politically charged language as an excuse to kill that boy. An argument could be made President Biden and the media should be charged as an accessory to the crime. I'm Todd Starnes.
0: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
1: So, Sandy Rios back. I, I, this story I wanted to make sure I told you before we change the subject here. Uh, it's in North Dakota this time and it's a story of a guy who uh, ran over a teenage boy. It's The guy is uh, Shannon Brandt. He's 41 uh, and the, the kid is 18 years old. His name is Kaylor Ellingson. He was at a street dance at the, at the town, wherever they lived in, in North Dakota. And Brandt Went after this uh, Kaler in his car and ran over him and killed him, and then uh, said to the police, "You know, yes, I did kill him because we got into a fight. I felt threatened. He's a he's part of a Republican extremist group. That's what Shannon Brandt said. He's part of a Republican extremist group, and so, you know, and he's saying the kid thre- the kid is running. The mother said that Caden Kay- uh, called her uh, to say someone was chasing him in the car, and then that then they lost." Um, contact. So how could this little, this little young boy at 18 be a danger to a 41-year-old man driving a car? And yet this guy's out on bail. $50,000, he's out on bond. He's admitted he did it. And it'll be interesting to see, won't it? If anybody in North Carolina, uh, Dakota actually holds him accountable. But this is the state of things. Uh, remember, I've talked to you about how totalitarians dehumanize. dehumanize. Uh, the groups that they want to eliminate. And th- it happens gradually. Uh, they isolate them. They call them names. They, they make them inhuman. And then people don't think too much about hurting them. It started with the MAGA hats. Remember the MAGA hats, you know, knocking them off people's heads? It started with that. I remember going to restaurants and towering over people with their fingers and making people chant. And uh, now it's it's uh, moving into more dangerous territory. When you shoot a what, 84-year-old woman in the back, who's a pro-lifer, because you didn't like what she said. That's kind of serious. So I'm just, I'm not happy to be right about this, trust me. But I'm just telling you, this is the progression, and we are seeing it play out in front of us. All right, so on the political scene, Gavin Newsom, interestingly enough, made a trip to uh, Texas because there was an event over the weekend. And ironically, of course, California has banned anyone uh, and anybody in the government from going to Texas and I forgot, there's other a whole bunch, 22 different states because, uh, remember North Carolina? They started this with North Carolina when they passed that bathroom ban. Uh, so they officially, well, now no Californian in pursuit of business or in the act of doing anything for the government can ever go to North Carolina. So and the, Texas was one of those states, but Gavin Newsom kind of made his way there. It's very interesting. He went to the Texas Tribune Festival in Austin, Texas. We've seen Gavin Newsom kind of break his own rules before, haven't we? Let's see, I think with COVID, going out to restaurants, having a great time with his friends without a mask, while he's locking down the state of California. More of the signs of totalitarianism, creeping, creeping, creeping. Okay, but here's what Gavin Newsom had to say. Just a taste of it. Clip seven.
3: I worry about Trump. I worry about Trumpism. I worry more about Tucker Carlson. I worry about Ron DeSantis. He, uh... He's a bully. He threatened the Special Olympics with $27 million in fines. Who does that? Uh, you guys, I mean, I, Abbott, Abbott is light years ahead in policy than DeSantis, but DeSantis is weaponized it the next level. So yeah, I worry about Trump because, you know, Trump has proven that democracy is now partisan, mm-hmm. which is remarkable.
1: All right, so one reason I'm playing this is because Gavin Newsom, it seems, from all accounts the things I'm hearing, wants to be our next president. Okay, so he's the governor of California. That's, you know, a problem considering what he's done there. And I want to give you just an idea of what he just said. He's talking about DeSantis. He said he's a bully. He threatened the Special Olympics with $27 million in fines. Who does that? This is what the left does. They twist. They'll take a partial truth and twist it because this is what happened. In 2022, the Special Olympics were going to happen in Florida, and they wanted to enact a vaccine mandate for all their games. All those little disabled kids were supposed to get the COVID shot, and DeSantis said, no, no, you're not, you're not going to do that. And, um, and so they withdrew the requirement. That's the horrible thing that DeSantis did with that. And that's who does that, people who have courage uh, so so this is where we're what we've got ahead of us by the way Newsom has now sent a letter to the Department of Justice seeking an investigation into the flight of migrants to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts of course trying to get DeSantis to get criminally charged for doing that so um he's busy fighting the battle trying to make his place it'll be interesting to see what happens with this and by the way on Newsom uh here's what he's also doing he's they're putting up billboards from California in various states. I think it's like Oklahoma. It's kind of the Bible Belt, probably Texas. And these abortion signs have Bible quotes. Uh, they encourage women to seek abortions in California, and they include a Bible verse, Mark twelve thirty one, in which Jesus is quoted as saying, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. I just want to point out that if a wife, if a mother is to follow that commandment, she should love her baby as she loves herself. She's not killing herself when she gets uh, pregnant; she's killing her baby. She's not loving her baby as she loves herself. And so, uh, and you could say that of other people too. But I just—it's bizarre. And I hope, but people are so biblically ignorant. I don't have—I don't have confidence really that they will understand that that's just a perversion, and wrong. And so, meanwhile, in California, they're passing a a law, AB-2223, which will undermine protections for newborns and allow for certain forms of infanticide. I'm not going to get bogged down with that right now, but that's what Gavin Newsom is doing at home. So, um, and then Kamala Harris was out talking about abortion, too. She had some really uh, wise things to say. She said, um, um, When we look at a woman's right to make decisions about her own body, we need two additional seats in the Senate, one of which will be Mandela Barnes, to say, listen, let's stop playing politics with women's bodies. You don't have to change your faith or abandon your faith or your deeply held beliefs to agree that government should not be telling a woman what to do with her body. How, How did these people become our leaders? How stupid is that? Even if I were pro-abortion, I would see, you know, the uh, the huge gaps that I could drive a truck through. For one thing, of course, the whole phrase about telling a woman what to do with her body, it's not her body she's doing. She's having surgery to kill another little body. And so it's not her body. Uh, how about her baby's body? And um, by the way, if it's, not, it's true that the government should not be telling a woman what to do with her body. Is it okay if she kills herself? Is that all right? Can she do all the drugs she wants? Can she just, you know... In, can she set herself on fire? I don't know. I, I thought, you know, the government had some regulations about how we treat ourselves. We have, for heaven's sake, we have warnings of calories on everything so we don't get fat. The government does, whether it should or not, engage in causing us, you can't smoke unless you want to pay, pay a ton of money for a pack of cigarettes. The government does do a lot of things regarding our health. So the government tells us to do a lot of things, and it's not. Uh, In the pattern of that, the government has a right certainly to stop killing, which is what abortion is. And you, this whole business about you don't have to change your faith or abandon your faith or your deeply held beliefs, what does she think our deeply held beliefs are? What are those deeply held beliefs if they're they not the sanctity of human life? What deeply held belief is she talking about? What is her deeply held belief? I'd like to know. So um, yeah, it's so more apostasy, but that's the way it's going. and We just have to keep clear heads as we look toward this. Now, uh, I ha- this I haven't had a chance to talk about because we were doing immigration last week, and you know that there are lots of F- FBI whistleblowers have come out, and I have to tell you, Bruce is so my husband, who is a retired agent, is so grateful finally to hear from the rank and file, uh, and they are doing some very courageous things. In fact, um, I want to. This is Kyle Serafin is the one that came out. Most recently, uh, that whose name we have, and Kyle is from uh, Florida, uh, and he was on with Dan Bongino. He did a couple of hours with Dan last week, and then he did Saturday night. And this is a brief clip that will give you uh, that Kyle will respond uh, to Dan. I just want you to hear it, and then I'm going to talk about him. Here it is, Kyle. Sir, well,
2: the FBI responded by pulling in all the operational units and bringing them into the field office. I was at the Washington field office at the time, and. You know, we had all of our surveillance missions canceled. I was was on a team that did that. We had people that were in other operational groups, whether it was white collar or whether they were doing child pornography. Everybody got pulled in, and there were tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of what they call leads that came in through West Virginia, which is the 800 uh, tip line. And some of them came in on the Internet as well. And they were so egregious to me. I I mean, I probably got rid of a couple hundred on my own, uh, I hope. Uh, But a lot of people just kind of, you know, pencil whipped it, and people tried to look the other way. They were they were blatantly targeting what I would call First Amendment protected rights. It's like somebody attended a a rally at the the sitting U.S. president was speaking at, and that's not our purview. And if there's not any further information or allegation of a criminal act, and there wasn't for most of these things, there's no reason for an FBI agent to come and knock on your door. But uh, so many people are trying to go along to get along and keep that paycheck and work towards the pension eventually that uh, a lot of people went out and knocked on doors and a lot of people self-incriminated and ended up in very bad situations, uh, under federal prosecution for something as simple as misdemeanors. See, I, w- I saw a lot of things. I was in Portland during the 100 days of riots. I was doing a low visibility surveillance. I was at uh, St. John's Church the day after it was burned, and there was no aggressive push in the same way. There was a do something attitude, but that something wasn't criminal prosecution, and it certainly wasn't throwing hundreds of people into the largest investigation the FBI has ever done.
1: You know, in his interviews, uh, he did he's mentioned several things that I certainly didn't know. He talked about. Um, there is a call center for the FBI and Bruce has told me this before a lot of times they get a lot of calls from people that are really insane actually they're seeing things there are you know UFOs their neighbors trying to choke them you know they but they're they can tell by talking to them that they're not reasonable people and they get a lot of those calls but he said this time everything changed on January the sixth he said they we would get ten thousand calls and he said the calls would be something like um my neighbor I, I don't listen I don't trust him I mean I he, you know, he wears a Trump hat and he went to a Trump rally and I think you should look into him. I bet he went there. Or I've known that guy for, since high school and I didn't like him then. He had, you know, he sort of was this way or that way. All very vague, just accusatory, dangerous. Uh, neighbors, you know, turning in neighbors and friends turning in, well, so-called friends, turning in friends. And he said he tried to toss a lot of those, but a lot of those were not tossed. So a lot of people, as many of you know, have been harassed by the FBI because um, because someone you know said you looked like someone at the rally that they saw in the picture, and the FBI is following all these leads. They're categorizing them. Remember, they told us that they were going to double down. The other thing we've learned is they're doing a new wave of investigations. They are going deeper. Any you don't have to even have been there on January the sixth. If you had anything at all to do with it, you know, or whatever, then they're coming after. Every single one of us who would have been there, could have been there, would like to have been there, I uh, do not believe, as they do, that it was an insurrection. And so this is really—they're uh, launching this whole second wave of arrests and prosecutions. Um, the other thing is he told us that—look, uh, uh, understand that the Capitol grounds, when you come to D.C., you can come in and out. You can go see your congressman. It's not walled off. It's not fenced off. Now, there's certain occasions where they'll fence some things off, and there is a security when you walk in the building, but it always amazes me that there is so little, to, to tell you the truth. So, uh, and when you have a big, they'll have uh, rallies, demonstrations, concerts, all kinds of things on the lawn of the Capitol. It's a very, very normal thing for people to walk on the lawn at the Capitol. But the FBI actually selected an area of the Capitol after January the 6th, and d- and declared it off limits so that they could charge more people. That's what Kyle Seraphin is telling us. Um, and so it's just sickening. And of course, his career is completely destroyed. He will—he's—he's just—he's—he's he's in big trouble. What what courage a man with you know they're not none of them are old because you have to retire at the FBI at fifty-five. So, and that reminds me then of another agent, uh, Miranda Devine. Uh, talked about him last week, and I don't think I ever got to this. I wanted to, so we're going to go back to it, because uh, Special Agent Stephen Friend came out last week with his own story. This is Miranda Devine to tell it, clip 10.
6: I learned that Stephen Friend, FBI Special Agent still serving, who was suspended on Monday, is an American hero. Uh, You know, he had the dream job. He's been with the FBI for 12 years. He's a SWAT team member, but he just could not live with his conscience after he was dragged off these very important child um, porn, child exploitation, human trafficking investigations that he was working on and put on these really bogus January 6 cases that just serve to, uh, I guess, back up the rhetoric that we're hearing from the White House that domestic terrorism is the, the worst uh, threat to America um, since the Civil War. And so uh, he could see from on the ground how the FBI Washington Field Office was manipulating these cases to try and uh, expand and pretend that the, the problem was bigger than it was. And he also uh, didn't want to participate in SWAT raids on um, people who had just uh, were being, you know, accused of misdemeanours at worst, uh, innocent American citizens. And, uh, you know, they were being told to investigate people who hadn't even gone to Washington, D.C. that day. In one case, a man had been at his son's funeral that day, uh, yet he had FBI agents knocking on his door. People were being surveilled. Um, This is just such an abuse of their civil rights. And Steve Friend stood up and said, I will not do this. He did everything the right way. He complained to his, uh, all his supervisors. He told them what FBI rules were being violated and what policies were not being followed and what constitutional rights of American citizens were being abused. And he was ignored. He was threatened. And he's now, this afternoon, filed a whistleblower complaint with the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, Um, And he's also been talking to Senator Chuck Grassley and some of the Republicans uh, about his complaints. And he um, is there. You see his photograph online, 37-year-old man, father of two young children. Uh, It took a lot of courage to do this at great risk to himself and uh, blowing up a career he loved.
1: All right. So Miranda Devine and uh, I'll be right back after this. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk.
5: There are thousands of different religions around the world today, and thousands more that have disappeared with ancient civilizations. So, how can we be certain that Christianity is the only true religion? This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains why we can trust what the Bible says about heaven, God, and the exclusive claims of Christ. Join us all this week for Pathway to Victory.
0: Weekday mornings at 6 central on American Family Radio. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is
4: valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there.
2: But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When the Spirit of God penned those words through Apostle Peter, he meant every bit of them. Christ's following is distinct from the world. Christ's followers must look different from the world. We shouldn't be surprised then when the world does not understand us and demonizes our faith. Jesus said, the student is not above the teacher. The world hated Jesus. We mustn't be surprised when the world hates us. We are called to be peculiar. Understand it. Embrace it. Get comfortable with it. Get used to it. We are in the world, but not of the world. Stay peculiar, my friends.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
1: Hi, I'm Jan Harper if you're a pastor's wife come be encouraged and renewed as you share your challenges and stresses unique to pastors and their wives
0: the AFA pastors and wives fishbowl retreat is returning October 18th through the 20th to Linden Valley Conference Center in Linden Tennessee the retreat is three days and two nights of relaxation and encouragement our host will be Pastor Bert Harper, Director of Marriage, Family, and Pastoral Ministries, and co-host of Exploring the Word on AFR, and his wife, Jan. And our special speakers will be Will and Mickey Addison of Airing the Addisons on AFR. Lodging, meals, and materials are all included in your registration. But hurry, space is limited. Register today by calling 662-844-5036 extension 297, or at repairingthefoundations.net.
1: The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat. We'd love to see you there.
3: This is Frank Effney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Are we sleepwalking towards catastrophe? Preoccupied with this fall's election are simply the day-to-day challenges of making ends meet in increasingly difficult economic circumstances. Most Americans are missing some very ominous indicators of serious trouble ahead. So it would seem are our intelligence services and national security agencies, perhaps because they're focused instead on Joe Biden's political opposition, now officially designated enemies of the state. Historically, however, our nation would be on high alert if any of the following were occurring, let alone, as now, all of them. The Kremlin is mobilizing its military reserves and explicitly threatening nuclear war. Communist China has massively increased its military capabilities and is adopting a war footing. North Korea has publicly embraced preemptive nuclear strikes, and Iran will have the bomb at any moment. Sorry to disturb, but we ignore such developments at our extreme peril. This is Frank Avery.
0: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
5: I think that Democrats, if the election is about uh, who is the most extreme, um, as we saw you know, Kevin McCarthy touch on there with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'll say her name, sitting over his left side, then they're going to win. If it is a referendum on the president, they will lose. And they know that. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And if you look at Pennsylvania, for example, what's been interesting to me is it's always you follow the money and where are people spending money. And in Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman right. because that's where they see his vulnerability. So yes, the economy is hanging over everything, right. but you do have to look at state by state factors and crime is a huge issue the in the Pennsylvania race.
1: All right. So that was, uh, remember her? The, we'll circle back press secretary for President Biden. And actually saying that if it's a referendum on the president, Democrats will lose. And the reason I played that, you, it's interesting that she said that, but also I I want you to understand that from looking at the polls and a lot of indications, um, there is a really good chance that Republicans could prevail in this midterm election in the Senate and the House. Um, Now, that doesn't count for all the—I think the fact that they are fighting so hard— and working, doing so many bad things so quickly here is a sign that they know they're vulnerable. I don't think they know that they're going to be over, able to overcome uh, opposition to their policies with through voting. But we don't know, do we? We really don't know. But I want you to understand that we still have a chance in this midterm. And so I, no matter all the bad things I'm telling you, let it motivate you and not deflate you so much that you, don't, you feel like it's what's the use. Because I think there is use still. Uh, there is value in getting busy and voting and supporting candidates. Uh, go out and knock knock on the doors or give them money or, again, uh, sign up to be a poll worker so you can watch and make sure there's no fraud in your voting place. You'd be surprised at what's been happening all these years that we've been absent because we were busy raising families and going to church and doing stuff. We weren't minding the store. And so the store has been taken over by people that are unscrupulous and dishonest. And we have to regain that. And look at these guys, these FBI whistleblowers coming out. We should be encouraged by that. That's amazing. That's guts. That's courage. So we have real American heroes right now. And uh, we need to remember that we have more than they are. You We've got heroes all over the place. So uh, <clears throat> let's just keep swinging. But meanwhile, i got to go back to the bad news because the smear is on. The January 6th uh, committee is uh, starting this Wednesday at 1 o'clock. With more of the same, and I want to remind you. Remember, they or they hired a producer, who uh, is an Emmy-nominated news producer, who uh, worked for Bloomberg and ABC News, and his name is uh, Dan Prisgoda. Uh and he scripted and edited the entire January 6 hearings you've been hearing. Do you understand? hearings don't they're not all scripted now congressmen senators they'll read senators especially will read s- statements that their staff has written that's normal but when it comes to a back and forth in a hearing uh, you don't read everything but that it's all on a teleprompter it's it's like a it's like an event it's like um a serial like this is part 2 of the uh, J6 hearings they've actually said that they've admitted that and and they take Testimony they will edit testimony and pull out the parts that are the most incriminating, and there's no witness for the defense there's no witness to defend uh, the people that were at the capitol on j six and that's the way it's being operated and this dan Prisgoda, who was the um a producer I just want to remind you before this starts on wednesday that he uh, he hates trump uh he he tweeted a black and white animation thing of a of a car punching pedestrians as it passes with an automatic metal arm, and he said, um, I'm getting this new attachment for my car while I drive around Trump country. And he's done other things, too. But he hates Trump. He hates Trump people. So there he is. He's the one doing the producing for this J6 committee hearing, which is starting on Wednesday. And that takes me to the J6 prisoners, who I haven't spoken about enough lately. They are coming up for trials this fall, many of them. And so far, they are, the sentences are just horrible. Julie Kelly has observed that the judges on the DC district Court have denied every charge of change of venue motion change of venue meaning. Can we take this somewhere else besides DC? this guy's from Texas. could we try it in Texas? No no no. They all have to go to DC and be tried in the courts in DC. And guess who lives in DC? People that hate President Trump and his uh, and his followers. I mean it, it is I've said for a long time it's like living uh, in a hostile territory when you drive into the district, you do feel like you're you feel creepy. I don't know what else to say. It's like you know you got to mind your P's and Q's because you're not unfriendly. You're not unfriendly ter- turf. So, ninety three percent, by the way, of people in Washington D.C. voted for Joe Biden. So that's like that's the people that these defendants are coming before. And I want to share. This is an article by Julie from American Greatness. It's called Fair Trials Are Impossible for January 6th Defendants. And I'd like to post that on our, if you would post that for us on our Getter page, Adam. Getter, by the way, if you'd like to follow us and get our articles, get, getter, get our articles. It's G-E-T-T-R, getter. And so um, it's not hard to join and it's easy to, to access. So she points out, Douglas Austin Jensen's trial took longer to fill out the verdict forms than it took to decide his fate. After only a few hours of deliberations on Friday, 12 residents of the nation's capital found Jensen guilty on seven counts related to his involvement in the Capitol protests on January the 6th. Jensen, an alleged QAnon follower, infamously confronted Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman inside the building that afternoon. He potentially faces decades in prison for convictions on impeding law enforcement officers and obstruction of an official proceeding and a dubious nonviolent felony punishable by up to 20 years in jail. And she goes on to say NBC News reported it, and they were were swooning over the fact that the Department of Justice has a flawless track record before these D.C. juries. So uh, this is happening to all of them. They have won, I think, 100% of their cases, the the, uh, uh, Justice Department. So this is what the J6 Committee then, so this is happening. The judges are completely biased, and I'm going to give you another story that's pretty heart-wrenching about what's happening in the jail. Uh, the Congress isn't protecting them. Louis Gohmert has still been in, in a fight. He's been there trying to help them, trying to help them. And um, nevertheless, the people that are waiting to be tried and those that will be arrested because we have a new wave coming, so, you know, prepare yourself. Be, if the FBI comes to your door... Don't don't go to the door. Tell them you're not going to talk to them unless they you have your attorney, and you can do that. You have a, just don't let them inside the house. Uh, you could just open it and say I, if you if you I won't talk to you unless you have give unless I have my attorney. Boy, okay. So juries have returned a unanimous guilty verdicts on every count in record time. And so that's happening in that. And then we have the media doing what they're doing. We have the J6 committee. They have a, their own website where they put out information all the time. And one of the things that they just put out has to do with oath keepers. Now, oath keepers are supposed to be the infamous leaders of this insurrection. And it's just a sham. It is. And uh, they have posted on their website a recording that per, they say or they hint is the oath keepers discussing things they're going to do. I don't even, I haven't heard the recording, but. Evidently, what they think are incriminating statements, but turns out on examination of this recording, it's just people watching something on television and commenting. It's not Oath Keepers in a meeting plotting the destruction of the United States, and yet they've got that on their website. Everything is stacked against people involved in J six and really against Trump supporters. It's just the the net's going to widen. I, I um, this actually is dated September the 8th, and I can't believe I'm just getting to it, but we've just had so much news, and this is written by, uh, Patricia Olson in the Epoch Times. It began without warning. A January 6th prisoner had emerged from his cell without a mask. When it was all over, the jail was in lockdown, and several inmates had been pepper sprayed, handcuffed, and thrown into solitary confinement. Inmate tablets, and that's how they com- communicate with their families. Inmate tablets were quickly confiscated, but not before several prisoners had time to text messages exposing the brutal truth of what happened. Many of those messages were obtained by Epoch Times. According to the text messages sent by one January 6th prisoner to a family, blank just went down. At the Correctional Treatment Facility in Washington, D.C., around 9.46 a.m. on September 5th, one of the guards had just assaulted Maccabi because— I think it's McCabe. I've seen it written different ways— because he wasn't wearing a mask. Ronald Colton Maccabee, I'll say that. His wife, Sarah, described to the Epoch Times what happened. He'd just been let out of the cell by a pod officer in order to receive his medication. Um, he said, She said they have to take their meds in front of the nurse to prove that they swallowed the pills. The med cart was right there. He walked out of the cell just to get his meds. He wasn't wearing a mask because he was going to take his meds. When Lieutenant Crystal Lancaster began yelling at him, um, and then she doused his face with O.C. spray. That's, um, I think that's a form of mace. It's called oleoresin capsicum. Pap- capsicum. And as a matter of fact, anybody that used that on January the 6th on the Capitol, the uh, FBI, the ju- ju- uh, Justice Department, classified that as potentially le- a lethal weapon. But that's what the guard used on him. And it got worse. He fell on the ground in pain. She sprayed it right in his face. And then uh, Crystal Lancaster, the guard, ordered the pod officer to handcuff him. And as he was being handcuffed, Lancaster sprayed him again, point blank, in the face. And uh, there are other accounts from other prisoners and their family members confirming all of this. Um, I could read them, but it would be pretty tedious. She said, other January 6th prisoners emerged from their cells. Three of them were on Sandlin. Bart Shively and Ryan Nichols. You remember Ryan. We've talked to his wife. Um, we've talked to his beautiful wife. She's been trying to defend him. They began yelling at Lancaster, telling her to, him, her to stop assault on Maccabee. Sandlin was, the, Sandlin was handcuffed. He and Maccabee were taken away to solitary confinement. Shively and Nichols were also sprayed, cuffed, and placed in isolation pods. And there are no cameras in the isolation pod area. And she said, it's very concerning because the guards come in and do whatever they like to these people with no accountability. So this Lancaster officer, Crystal, is notorious among the prisoners, they say, for being particularly vulgar and brutal. In fact, she was banned from the pod for a while because she was so brutal, but now she's back. And um, so these guys, the J6 prisoners, tried to defend their buddy and... uh, and they couldn't. So the tablets have been taken away, and I don't know what the story is now with them. I have no idea, and we're going to check back with them so we can find out. Bonnie Nichols is Ryan's wife. She says nothing has changed. Uh, she said her husband, Ryan, faces 11 charges, including multiple infractions with the words deadly or dangerous weapon. And that dan- dangerous or deadly weapon, again, was pepper spray. That's what he's charged with. That's what the guard is spraying them in the eyes with. It's just a, it's un- despicable. So... Um, and, of course, the guards are, I told you, many of them are nation of Islam, and they hate these people. They hate them because they're white, and they hate them because they're Trump supporters. They call them racist names like White Cracker, and all, they, just horrible things that I can't, I can't even read. So Vonnie's um, really worried about her husband because Ryan has PTSD from his military service, and it's just been a long—can you imagine— Can you even imagine going through what these guys are going through? So um, we need to pray for them, and we need to get them out. We need to get them out. Somebody needs to get them out. We need to ask our candidates, what are you going to do for these guys? What are you going to do? Um, There's also just a story about um, the—you remember the woman, the guard that beat uh, the woman in the tunnel on January the 6th? They now know who that is, and they've got video of it so up close— that they can tell it's a guard and a white—a policeman. It's a capital policeman in a white shirt. And he beats uh, this female in the face, on the head, like 35 times. It's Now they know who it is, so we'll just see if they're going to do something about it. There's no name given in the articles I'm reading, uh, but they, they do know who it is. So these are such uh, dark and wicked times. But I, I have to tell you, I, look, we think about in the Old Testament where the Jews— were overrun by the Babylonians and God brought judgment to the Babylonians they destroyed you know all that they knew The things the temple was like uh, it would be like our church but it's also like our buildings our culture because it was a theocracy uh, they destroyed all of that and carried it back and carried the people off into bondage and they brutalized them and yet God miraculously delivered in time it was a long time it may not be in our generation and it could be that God would deliver now I don't know He certainly has people like you and like me who love and serve him and uh, he might grant us another chance he might in this election and we can pray for that there's a history of that in scripture where people pray that god would stay his hand and not bring harsh judgment not yet so we can pray that for our kids and our grandchildren nothing wrong with it Uh, But meanwhile, hand to the plow, looking straight ahead, we have to keep fighting. We just have to fight until we can't anymore. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.